0: Hey guys, it's comedian Mickey Coachella and uh, I love listening to The Angry Millennial. There's nothing
1: funny about it. Thanks for tuning in and welcome to The Angry Millennial Podcast with your host, Jose Rosado, and co-host, Stevie Chris, where we talk to creatives and entrepreneurs from all walks of life and passions about the creative lifestyle, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Be sure to check out our site, theangrymillennialshow.com, And sign up for our newsletter to be eligible for prizes and giveaways, as well as stay up-to-date with new shows and upcoming guests. Hope you enjoy the show. Hey guys, who doesn't love really well-designed photography clothing? Check out ClickGearClothing.com, a lifestyle for urban photographers All Angry Millennial listeners can use coupon code ANGRYPHOTO to receive 20% off any order. And the first three people who sign up for our newsletter after the show will get a free $25 gift card. Now, guys, be sure to also check them out on Instagram at clickgearclothingltd. What's going on, AM Nation? And welcome to the Angry Millennial Show. Today, we're chatting with photographer and filmmaker, Brett Garamella, Brett, thanks for coming out today.
0: Hey, good to be here.
1: So you know, let's let's get into it. I mean, let's start from the beginning. You know, were you always creative? Uh, you know, did photography come first, or maybe it was some other uh, you know medium for you growing up?
0: Yeah, that's a good question. I, um, well, I was always into kind of, uh, I was into drawing and into um, art as a as a kid. Um, not necessarily photography or, mm-hmm. or, uh, filmmaking, but I, um, I would always do these drawings. Um, my mom kind of had artwork all around the house that I did. And then, um, when I went to college, I, I, um, got into, uh, journalism. So oh, cool. I sort of began my life as a journalist and, um, telling people stories because I always enjoyed meeting new and interesting people.
2: Mm-hmm. So
0: um, I found journalism as a way to do that. And actually growing up, I was I was probably what I wanted to do was be a professional basketball player or a <laughs> nice. professional baseball player like many young kids. So right. um, I always liked sports. And I guess uh, journalism sort of gave me an outlet to still stay in that uh, that field so to speak and and hang around um, athletes and people that were were I found to be very inspirational and doing amazing things with their lives so um, i I not only did I did like feature stories primarily and I did a lot of sports, but I did longer in depth type of stories and mm-hmm. um, I focused on um, a lot on athletes, but then uh, ventured off into doing other areas. So other different, interesting type of people, whether they be musicians or or any other type of story that I found uh, really compelling. And so that sort of evolved. So I I was a newspaper reporter and writer for many years.
1: Okay, where did you work?
0: I worked up in Vermont for a while for the Burlington Free Press, and then I worked around. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, I worked around the Connecticut, um, New York area. So I worked for the Stanford Times, oh, okay, uh, the Norwalk Hour, uh, the Danbury News Times.
1: Oh, nice! I used to live in Brewster growing up a little bit.
0: <laughs> nice, yeah, that's yeah, right. So
1: right, right, right across the border. Mm-hmm.
0: And then, um, and then I guess after. I always wanted to travel so Mm -hmm. um, when I was 16 years old my mom the first time outside the country my mom took uh, me to Egypt so I went to Cairo with my mom and a family friend who who was an Egyptologist and he could like he spoke Arabic and he could translate the hieroglyphs and it was like this I don't know it was kind of For us, you know, uh, I was a sophomore at the time. For a a young teenager, first time outside the country, it was an incredible experience. So I was like, Mm -hmm. wow, I got to do more of that. Um, So I went on a couple trips um, with my mom. We went to Egypt, and then we went uh, to Tokyo together, um, to Japan. And we went to England. So that's sort of how my 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 youth started my interest mm-hmm. in um in travel and meeting and interesting people and telling stories so and then also being interested in sports so how could i
2: mm-hmm.
0: sort of combine all of these interests into something that i wanted to do and right. and, and being creative right so right. Um, so i worked as a reporter writer for a while um and then I began traveling a lot after college, and I went out to. I lived in Colorado for a year. Oh, I, nice! I um, I was gonna. I was I was freelance writing, and I was also I um, wrote a biography about a former U.S. Um, national team skier who mm-hmm. had um, who got multiple sclerosis and had to overcome. Many Oof. many tough obstacles in his life, kind mm-hmm. of like um, like a sea biscuit type of story. Right. So I self published that book, and then I kept doing the journalism thing, and then uh, and, and and the writer thing. But I found there were many limitations to um, the normal journalism world and what I could do, and right. just the, in terms of length and time, right. And mm-hmm. and then also like the. Print, print journalism started. Um, it didn't seem like it was going anywhere. Like uh, newspapers were making cuts, and um, the pay wasn't great. And right, right, right. And so I wanted to expand my outlet. Like I always like to improve myself. So I was mm-hmm. like, what What can I do next to improve myself? Um, so the two things I basically did was I um, were. I, um, went to South America and Mm. I learned, I learned to speak Spanish
2: and
0: I also started doing more photography and I, 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 um, traveled a lot. Actually, I took a trip to, um, just before that, making that trip, I went to Cuba and, um, that's where I developed, I came home and people saw, saw my photos my trip and they said wow you know you, you really have you have a knack for this and right. i kind of looked at it and i was like yeah i really enjoyed that and i i was always artistic so i could draw really well and paint really well so i sort of had that i guess artistic eye so to speak
1: right yeah yeah. yeah.
0: and then so then i started combining the two i started doing photography with my writing Mm-hmm. and then um with the articles that I, I would write and then i went down to south america for one year i learned spanish mm-hmm. that's not, not perfect but it's i can hey I,
1: getting by right I, yeah getting
0: <laughs> by conversational spanish exactly and then i um and then when i got back i got really serious about the photography i um I got so I just
1: when, start, so we're okay yeah, I mean to cut yeah. you up but when so when was all this so this is like you've been working for a few years as a journalist yeah um you know you, you traveled more and, and sort of realizing photography may have been you know uh more your true calling mm-hmm. and you know obviously we're we're talking about you know uh I'm guessing probably like you know the the mid2000s of where we're in now where yes. you know print journalism started getting budget started getting cut and that kind of thing and you started thinking, about what was next. Is that right?
0: Yeah, that's that's about right. So it was like mid the mid two thousands I started um the well my trip to when I first went to Cuba that was two thousand seven. So I say two thousand seven, two thousand eight is really mm-hmm. when I picked up a camera and started getting um serious about it. Right. Um, right. So up until about up until about two thousand seven i was just i was just working strictly as a writer and reporter in mm-hmm. two thousand seven mm-hmm. two thousand eight i started working on uh as a photographer and then um yeah that then i started getting really serious about it mm-hmm. and um and even then I was like well how can i i always like to like all right so what's the next thing what can i what can I do to improve myself? Make myself more marketable, and mm-hmm. what can I do to um, to tell a story and and express myself in a creative manner? So, right. Um, so, in two thousand and I'm jumping ahead here, but two th- <laughs> thousand nine, I mm-hmm. um, two thousand nine, I bought a video camera, an EX one. Mm-hmm. And some good lav mics and audio equipment. And that's sort of when I started just um, dabbling in, in filmmaking and video. But it, okay. it wasn't anything good. It was just kind of me exper- right. experimenting with that. Okay, so, cool.
1: All right. So, so we'll, we'll get to that. Yeah. Um, you know, I want to rewind a little bit here. I know you have this really cool photo I came across. Uh, around that, around the early time, like you said, when you kind of first started shooting and it's a photo of you and Barack Obama, you know, so, <laughs> so obviously I have to know how that come about and, and what was that experience like?
0: Everybody asked me about that.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think it's a prerequisite. If you met the president, people want to know well, what, how the hell that
0: happened. <laughs> Actually, I met him before he was the president, so.
1: Oh, I, look at that. <laughs> He's like, I met Barack before he was POTUS, you know. I met him way before he was cool, you know, it was fine. <laughs> he owes it all to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> I was his first choice as a running mate, but then, <laughs> then that guy Biden stepped in. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, so um, I was in Colorado at the time, and it was actually at the Aspen Institute where he came to speak and uh, i just thought i had heard obama speak on television like once or twice and i just i was just i just the way he spoke i was i thought it was amazing or just mm-hmm. he was just a natural great speaker, speaker I, yeah. yeah it was just he had the charisma and he had that ability to articulate um ideas in a way that very few people can, so it was actually only it was an afternoon one afternoon I didn't have much to do. I think it was a Friday or Saturday, and um it was the ticket was like ten dollars, so oh wow, like, look at all that all right, go see Obama speak for it's was like a, yeah it was with um I a lot more than that now <laughs> exactly <laughs> <laughs> or good good luck, you know, getting yeah. in or, or actually meeting him, so right yeah, yeah um. Yeah. It was at the Aspen Institute with Walter Isaacson, and he was doing the um, question and answer. Walter Isaacson was the – he wrote um, like the definitive biography about Steve Jobs and a few other books. And so it was a really interesting speech and a question mm-hmm. and answer and kind of like Obama just talking about his different ideas. Some politics, but some just about life and about his um, his background. And – i i thought it was a really good good talk and then afterwards i just um he was just on stage i just walked up to him and started chatting with him and then i was like hey can i get a picture and that's sort of how that picture happened Mm -hmm. but it was um it was just it was almost like you go to a high school or college uh talent show or something or you see a, a speech and it wasn't that big of a deal you know as obviously as it would be now so just Mm -hmm. kind of walked up to him and it was just it was just down to earth easygoing guy and yeah that was that's
1: sort of how it happened that's awesome that's awesome so you know uh going back a little bit and where you talk about around that time and you were doing your you know trips to cuba and other countries and was it was it around then that you started getting those interesting like sports series that you know going on and kind of what brought that work on? I mean, obviously, like you said, your your love of sports, um, you know, early on, kind of definitely played a role in it. Um, but when was it that you really kind of started diving more into the 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 sports of uh, other countries and stuff like that?
0: Um, so I guess I guess my goal has always been to um like I said, to travel and to tell interesting stories. So mm-hmm. I, I really, I I like working in one spot, but I also really love traveling and working, doing something different or something unique and meeting, um, going to a place where um, either I haven't been or I haven't seen um, other photographers or filmmakers. Um, I mean, everything, they say everything's done in front of the, under the sun, but um, right. I like to explore stuff that's kind of unique. So I kind of always, I guess I got that bug from my mom because she took me mm-hmm. on all those uh those trips, and so mm-hmm. I've been to about sixteen countries now, and about wow, and about all forty eight of the continental states, only Alaska and Hawaii. So I've done quite a bit of traveling. Like I've worked on, um other projects as well like i went down to haiti after the earthquake i uh, raised some money to um help an orphanage down there um in Leogane, which was the hardest hit out of any of the places outside of port-au-prince and I've, d- I've done other projects but some of those projects i don't have like on my website or i don't publicize them as much because right it didn't evolve into something that i guess i either thought was worthy to be published or something that i um that met like my standards for what i want to do right. so so i kept i i sort of kept this up like i've been traveling over the last 10 years i've traveled a lot
2: mm-hmm.
0: um but i've been also um i guess now becoming trying to focus more on one project at a time and not doing like three or four because I think it's, it's important to uh, finish and execute um, a project and try to do it well. Right, right, right. I don't know yeah, if I answered your question, but your initial <laughs> question <laughs> about how how I got interested in sports and how I.
1: Well, I mean, like you said, I think it comes down to, um, you know, your, your journalistic side, you know, mm-hmm. And, and how it's just a love of storytelling, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And and if you're doing that, and let's be honest, if you go to countries like Spain and, and you know, Cuba and Dominican Republic, I mean, what's a lot of the story going to be? Well, in, in Cuba and DR, it's going to be baseball, you exactly. know, and, and baseball is a huge part of their culture. And then you go to Spain, maybe it's uh, bullfighting, you know, or, exactly. or Mexico or whatever that one was. But, I mean, that was an amazing shot, by the way. I love that. I was checking out your your video on seven tips about uh, composition. I love that image. That was a great image. <laughs> Thank you. Um, But you know, I, like you said, I think I think that's what it is. And when you go to these places, you know, Haiti after the earthquake, everything. I mean, it is like you said. It is just telling people stories, and you know, and and doing it in a way that that you can can be proud of. You know, because like a lot of times, I mean, let's be real here. Uh, you do stuff. But as a journalist, you just get told, go here, go there, cover this, cover that, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. there, you may cover stuff that's like, you know, kind of boring, but at least yeah. at the, at the very core of it, you're doing what you love and you're literally storytelling and, and you're, mm-hmm. and you're telling people's, um, story. So in that sense, you know, that's what drew you to it. That's what, you know, kind of, uh, got you going and, and you can, you always have a love of that, so that's good, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, like we said, whether it was necessarily that one was one that you could sit there and say was you know you crushed it and that was like your favorite uh, piece ever, and mm-hmm. not going to happen, you know. And that's mm-hmm. that's the difference. I think that's mm-hmm. why maybe you made that transition to telling stories for yourself um, because then you realize that you could kind of have a little more control and ownership of the scope of the length and and the format that you were able to do it in.
0: Yeah, I thought I think also a lot of these um as traveling working on these um you say projects mm-hmm. have helped me um you know I've been improving along the way so like what I shot 3 or 4 years ago is not the same as what I'm shooting now and um also just to add on to what what you said I think
2: mm-hmm.
0: it's really important to um if you're going to spend as you know as as a photographer um it's this stuff is not cheap so <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. um if you're going to invest uh you know this amount of money and especially um you know this amount of time and emotional energy and so forth it's got to be something that you really care about and um mm-hmm. uh, I I believe and I believe th- that comes through in the images and in in um the story that you tell or or the people that you photograph or film so i i believe it's it's really important to um really care about and and be authentic with with what you want to do not necessarily that it's like trendy or cool but that um it's something that you really resonates with um with who you are and um like the values or um the, the uh, traits that, that you look into. Like the reason I like doing, for instance, um, I've done a lot of boxers and I've done mm-hmm. a lot of athletes and I've also done a lot of farmers. So athletes mm-hmm. and farmers are kind of the two areas that I've, I've delved into. Um, mm-hmm. It's kind of like the, the, the way these people are. Most, most of the boxers I've met and most of the farmers I've met have been really humble, hardworking people. And, um, really, really down to earth. So those are, are their way of life and, and, and their, their personality and mannerism and the way they, they respect one another and work is kind of qualities that I admire in, Mm -hmm. in someone. So I think just hanging out with them and learning about them, it's helped me, it's enriched my life, but it's also, um, I think also helped, um, make these stories, um, come through in, in, in a good, good way, you know, in, mm-hmm. in, 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 whereas if I were, like you said, if I were just being assigned to it or I didn't care as much about it, I don't think you would get the same type of pictures or the same type of right. Uh, stories.
1: Right. Yeah. 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 For sure. And, and a lot of people, um, you know, talk a lot about, when you when you decide to do things as a creative, whether it's film, stills, whatever, you know, you have to be passionate about you know what story you're telling and all that kind of stuff. Because if not, like you said, mm-hmm. it 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 shows in the images, it shows in the work, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, yeah. you can't you can't blame people because in reality, what is it? It's a job, you know. And <laughs> if it's just a job, then you're just going to treat it like a job. Um, but if mm-hmm. it's something that you could. Almost and we'll touch upon it later, like a personal project, you know, where you would probably do it for no money, you know, and and, mm-hmm. and and it's something that obviously the the passion is there, you know, and the interest is there, which which is pretty big. Mm-hmm. So um, touching on, on sports again, you know, mm-hmm. you've shot with some of the biggest names in sports, you know, Jordan, mm-hmm. Kobe, you know, others. I mean, what what were those, you know, high profile shoots like? Um, were they again, uh, more about storytelling or maybe it was just commercial work that you just happened to book and, and tell us mm-hmm. about that a little bit?
0: Yeah, it was, it was kind of a combination of two. Um, um, the thing about shooting high, high end, cele- uh, sports stars and celebrities is you're, you're most likely not going to have a lot of time.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
0: So, um, for those situations, I think it's, um, you really most of the work is just preparation trying mm-hmm. to uh get everything set up and get execute exactly what you want but um all those all those um celebrities and so forth i i mean i i try to treat them just like ordinary people i think mm-hmm. if if you're like if you if you go into it and you're like oh my god this This person's like so-and-so, you know, and and you make Fanboying
1: never helps your case. Yeah, Yeah, exactly.
0: (laughs) So I kind of treat, I kind of enter all my shoots, I think, with the same approach, so to speak. Mm -hmm. The same approach, the same level of respect. I always try to um, learn as much as I can about the person, whether it be, um, yeah, a professional athlete or whether it just be a farmer in the middle of nowhere who um no foreigner has ever met um right right i still try to approach it the same you know bring Mm -hmm. a sense of humor don't don't be don't be stiff and uh just sort of go with the flow see how it goes and try to um if you have genuine um i don't know if, if you're just yourself i think it comes across and and the person will feel more relaxed and so forth and Right, 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 right. But I think every situation is different.
1: So how, how did those shoots come about specifically? You know, like some of that stuff, was it, again, was it like uh, just people that reached out liked your work and, and it was commercial work? Or was it like kind of you were taking your, let's say, farmer and, and Cuban, Dominican, young young guys vying for the pros, kind of a documentary kind of style to it? Well,
0: um, I, I've traveled. So... In the in the U.S. is it's a lot harder. In the U.S. it's, right. yeah. it's tough to get in, especially um, Major League Baseball is tough. I've I've gotten mm. in um, in Chica- when I was in Chicago. I did I did a few pieces, but um, it took a lot of persistence, so to right. speak.
2: Yeah,
0: um, more than anything else. But I traveled to. Um, Dominican Republic a couple times. And honestly, in the Dominican Republic, I could travel around and because I can speak Spanish and because um, I have a good knowledge of the players themselves and, and, and the country and so forth. Like I do a lot of uh, research and so forth before I go to a place and, mm-hmm. and learn as much as I can um, just from the, the people walking around, just the locals and so forth. I think if you can learn a lot of that, that help, helps you get in. So I I went to, when I was in the Dominican Republic, I stayed mainly in a little small town called San Pedro de Macariz,
1: mm-hmm. which is
0: kind of, they call it like the city of shortstops.
1: Oh, nice. That's cool.
0: <laughs> because it's produced so many major league baseball uh, players and a lot of shortstops, um, like um, Soriano and... Um, What's his name? The old uh, Yankees shortstop who I, I lost his uh Canal, Robinson Canal. Oh, yeah, and, yeah. And so forth. So um, so I was there. And then just like uh, half an hour down the road is all the baseball academy. So I would just hop on a bus, a little bus, be on the bus with my camera equipment and a bunch of locals with like their – their chickens and so forth <laughs> mm-hmm. and they would just drop me off on the side of the road because there was no signs but i kind of knew where it was right um just by asking around and then i would go there and then i just kind of hung around and then i got to meet a lot of the players down there um like um soriano like um albert pujos alex rodriguez mm-hmm. and so forth so um, Encarnacion, et cetera. So a lot of those players just, um, it was, it was through developing those relationships and just hanging out and showing a general, general interest. I think a lot of it, um, I, I really only would say my photography is maybe 5% of the time spent, maybe 5% or less. Um, Mm -hmm. probably like 90, 95% of my time is spent literally just hanging out with people and building rapport and mm-hmm. like just breaking down any barriers or getting to know them and just just getting to the point where we're friends or we're just hanging out and then right. um and then we can we can um and then when I want to do something with photography, they're like, oh sure, yeah, no problem.
2: <laughs>
1: yeah. because yeah,
0: <laughs> they, they feel like a friend. So I've done stuff like that where I've gotten in and being able to do shoots and, and certain things. With people and then pitch it to other uh, magazines or publications later. Mm-hmm. Um, I found I found that approach to work, but to get into um, like the bigger shoots
1: in the U.S. Um, yeah, I was gonna say I don't know if that would work with Kobe, right? <laughs> yeah,
0: it's a, it's a little trick. It's a little trickier. So um, right, right. But like, in, but it's all about um, you know. I I found that um, I'm. A, I've been really concentrating now recently about finding ways to market myself and to get, like you said, those higher end shoots
2: Mm
0: -hmm. um, for brands like Nike and Gatorade and stuff like that. That, That's kind of like where I I see myself. I like to go while continuing to do my personal work. And Mm -hmm. um, I found that when I've just sent out emails or done like promos or postcards, et cetera, I haven't been – as successful as when I've been successful through like word of mouth or um, just meeting a friend of a friend of a friend, so to speak, or a friend of a friend. Like, for instance, when I was in Chicago, I was um, shooting for this rec league and doing some work for them. And then I got to meet a lot of the players. And then a few of the players, I met Michael Jordan's old bodyguard. I met another friend of Michael Jordan who played in the summer league with him. And so that's sort of how I got in with a lot of the athletes in Chicago and so forth. So I think it, as a photographer, as a creative person, I think it's important to think about um, not what you want, but what can you give. So Mm -hmm. a lot of times I would do things either for very low pay. Sometimes I would even do it uh, for free because I knew the person and I knew they would help me out later and do, and do a favor for, for me down the road. So I think you sort of have to play it by ear. But I think um, whatever whatever field you want to do, I think meeting as many people in that field is really important. So right. talking about the sports field, like I know now I have connections to a lot of top athletes and people within uh the professional sports realm so i'm just continuing to build that network within that realm right
1: um, that's awesome
0: yeah if you wanted fashion i think it's like you know then you have to go to like fashion shows or meet designers etc and Put
1: put yourself in there yeah in the element yeah
0: exactly so put yourself in the element and think about um what you can what you can do for that person what you can give instead of like what you can get out of it
1: mhm no oh, yeah and and you you know you hit upon something that for a lot of people i mean it's it's kind of common sense but it's shocking how <laughs> many people don't realize it <laughs> that like <laughs> if you put a camera in someone's face and then you just get your shot and walk away mm-hmm. like you're doing yourself a huge disservice as to rather just taking the time, you know, actually giving a shit and caring, Mm -hmm. that then you can, like you said, you can develop rapport with people and then suddenly it's about the human element and not necessarily Mm -hmm. about just, like, getting a good photo. And, like, you know, that if you take the time to get to know them and and develop a rapport, that maybe then it could be more than just, like, one kind of, you know, candid shot. It could, you know, then you can... It's exactly. a much easier ask then to, to you know, get some more uh, por- you know, posed por- portraits, portraits mm-hmm. and, uh, and that sort of thing. And, and then, you know, again, you know that then you're making uh, friends with players and maybe even then friends with their agents and then mm-hmm. so on and so forth,
0: you know. Exactly. And, and I, I like to always, I mean, everywhere I travel, I, I, I was listening to the show where you had um, Jeremy Cower on.
1: Mhm
2: mhm
0: where he was talking about the help portrait which I think is a as yep. a wonderful thing that he's been yeah. doing. And I've sort of I've I've done that as well. Like w- whenever I travel I like to whether it be a professional athlete
2: mm-hmm. I mean
0: I I put together this large collage that I actually gave to Michael Jordan himself. Oh, that's which awesome. Is, which is which kind of crazy but um and then but I'll do the same thing. I put together a lot of big uh, big prints and so forth for um, when I was in uh, my last trip to Cuba to uh, give to the tobacco farmers. So,
2: mm-hmm.
0: um, I think anytime you can like you can give something back as a photographer, mm-hmm. and and um, I, I, I like to do it just because I like to do it. If I never shoot with them again, that's okay, but it's more like, um, I appreciate the time I spent with you, and it's right. more like. You know, I just want to do it because I feel like it's the right thing to do. I don't think right. it should be done for um, with any expectation of um, something in the future. So right. yeah. I think if you go in with that mindset, I think that um, that will really help you in, in, in many ways
1: right right yeah no good good point so um switching gears a bit i know that you know so this is like all your 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 still stuff and like many filmmakers you know you started out as a still photographer transitioning more into film you know tell me what was that like and and then you know do you still stu- shoot a lot of stills or is it more like a 70-30 split nowadays or maybe more um and how do, how do you kind of balance it out now
0: well, I I think my love is still photography. I still love photography. Um, some photographers do it, and after a while, they they're like, "Well, it's a job, <laughs> and right. I'll, I'll do it to get paid." And then I'll um, and then I I'll do other things with my life. But honestly, mm. I like shooting when I'm not shooting. <laughs> I, yeah. I I really enjoy it. Um, so and I feel like I've only uh tip the iceberg of what i can do so i'm i'm i think i can still improve so i'm still looking for ways to improve and do it so i find it to be very to be just be fun and and um, so i'm i would say now though since the film came out and even just the way the internet and the world is working more and more people are demanding or are, are wanting video so i've had a lot of mm-hmm. clients and people um, reach out to me saying hey can you put this little promo together or I'd like to instead of uh, shooting this event um, can you do a video of this event so mm-hmm. um, it's becoming I don't know maybe now I would say it's maybe 50-50 whereas before it wasn't maybe it was mm-hmm. like 20-80 or 30-70 mm-hmm. but it's definitely becoming more and more um, more video
1: Okay. Yeah, I could definitely see that. And like you said, speaking of that, um, you know, your your latest uh, short film, uh, The Champion, it's been making its rounds, getting awesome reviews. Um, You know, tell us about that project. And what was the submission process like after making the film, you know, for all the film circuits and stuff like that? Because I know that's that's an, that's an, an animal on itself, you know, trying to, once you go through all the grueling aspects of putting together a short film to then say, well, it's your job's not done. Um, you know, you have to get it out to the masses and that sort of thing. So what, what was that process like?
0: Okay. So in, in, in transitioning from like being a photographer to a filmmaker, I feel like it's, it's a completely different world, so to speak. Not, I mean, artistically it's it's very similar but um photography tends to be more of a, a a one person or two or three person job or you know a very small team of people mm-hmm. whereas filmmaking is a much uh larger crew so it it's definitely a, a team sport and it takes a lot of um talented people around you so in in making the film and then um it I, ha- I met um, when I was working for a production company in New York doing some freelance work. Uh, it was the largest food uh, commercial production company in New York City. They're called McGuffin Films. Oh, wow. So, so while I was working for McGuffin Films, I met um, another production assistant there. I met uh, Patrick McGowan, who is a much better filmmaker than me. He's much more <laughs> talented than me. And um, he went to film school, and he's a phenomenal editor filmmaker, so I think i it was almost like making this film and hanging out with uh, Patrick and then filming on my own, experimenting that sort of was like my film school, basically
2: mm-hmm.
0: um and then hanging out at that company, which obviously they did phenomenal work, so I got to to see how a really high end um Films, films are made and doing other production work. I got to um, learn more and more. But obviously, being a photographer, um, it's not like a huge jump. But there are a lot of things you have to learn. So right. um, then Patrick had a good network of, of friends from, from film school and from working in New York City. So we had a really good um, – we had another cinematographer for our boxing footage. Mm. and then um which we did a kickstarter campaign to raise money to do that and then we um had a good uh good guy for our our graphic design and our our motion graphics and um we just had a good crew of people i mean it was primarily patrick and i that that made the film but um Mm -hmm we I, I we surrounded ourselves with talented people, right so yeah. I think that's that's a huge part of filmmaking is is surrounding yourself with people who are a more talented than you or mm-hmm. people who are um have a similar work ethic or creative vision as you and then once we were done submitting to the film festivals um to be honest, this was our first film that we submitted to the film festival so it was, it was a learning experience, but I'd be happy to share what I learned because um, definitely made some mistakes, I feel like, or, or things that I could have done better. We could have done better. But um, the film was obviously very successful. We've won seven awards. Wow. And, and we've been in about 25 film festivals, including uh, – and in, it's played as far as uh, Sao Paulo, Brazil. Uh, it, it played in Barcelona played in um, Toronto. So it's been all over, um, not just in the U.S. But um, submitting to the film festivals is kind of like almost like applying to college. (laughs) (laughs) It's kind of just sending it out there Mm -hmm. and seeing who will accept it and who won't. Um, So it's kind of a crapshoot. Um, You know, you get some rejections and others – Um, you get into, and I I think it's sort of choosing, A, where does your film fit in, in terms of Mm -hmm. genre, and in terms of um, location, Um, so ours was shot mostly, it's a Midwestern, it's a Chicago story, Um, so, and so we looked at festivals around there, and then it was also looking at documentary film festivals, and then just plain simple festivals that are really high-end festivals, like Mm -hmm. Sundance, South by Southwest. Um, Aspen, um, Palm Springs, etc. So, mm-hmm. um, then submitting to those festivals and then waiting to see. Now, my advice: if I had to do it all over again, I think this might help your audience if, mm-hmm. if they're looking to make a film. Um, what I would do is the the submitting to festivals. Sometimes, if if you're winning some awards, they can waive the fee, and you you can apply for free. You won't have to pay for the application
2: fee.
0: Mm -hmm. Um, There's a thing called without a box and film freeway that are the main two uh, platforms to apply to these festivals. Mm -hmm. But if I had to do it all over again, I would apply to maybe a few of the top festivals, right? Mm -hmm. And try to get into, if your film is really good, I mean, it's hard to get into Sundance or South by Southwest, but maybe another festival that's really good. Like we got into big sky, we got into Aspen, we got into uh, Palm Springs and uh, the Milwaukee film festival and um, Heartland. So if you can get into just a few of those festivals, um, that will give you your film, some clout.
2: Mm-hmm. And
0: then after that, attend those festivals and try to meet some um, people for distribution. Right. So, I would spend a lot of your money on save some a lot of your money for distribution um for trying to get it um in front of a, someone to be distributed and also for your marketing or or p r so right. um our film obviously it it costs a lot because we wanted to make it look really good mm-hmm. um, but if I had to do it over again, maybe save a little money for the end for public relations or for mm-hmm. marketing right and um you don't need to get into like we did you don't need to get into necessarily 25 films <laughs> right. film, film festivals because you know can you really attend 25 film festivals right i don't know maybe if you're independently wealthy uh, <laughs> 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 and you don't have that busy of a schedule <laughs>
2: Right, right, right. You can just hop on a
0: plane and fly everywhere. But um, so I think targeting like just like four or five really good festivals, you know, or maybe like applying to 10, maybe you get into like three to five festivals that are really good, network at those three to five festivals, and then try to get your film picked up for distribution, whether it be like uh, Netflix or PBS or wherever you're trying to get it. Uh,
1: mm-hmm. yeah nice all right it's definitely some some good advice and and definitely a nice peek behind the curtain into you know like you said like what goes on after the, what you think is the the job is done is not really done yeah. uh and and like we all know as photographers i mean you can have the greatest piece of work ever but if no one ever sees it you know it's 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 uh it's tough um so exactly, you know do you think the idea from this kind of came from your first trip to Cairo a little bit or, or, you know, do you think maybe that plays into it at all?
0: Oh, into the making of this film?
1: Uh-huh.
0: Um, I don't think so. I, yeah, well, I mean, I, I think I always had an interest, I think in something that's, that's totally different, right? Cairo mm-hmm. was a place that was totally foreign to me and totally different. And, right. And I found interesting because, I didn't really know much of anything about it except uh they have cool pyramids and, and
2: just <laughs> see yeah,
0: in yeah. books, right? So um no, this this story was really um well the US was at war with Iraq at the time. Mm-hmm. So for me I was interested in I've always been interested in boxing. Mm-hmm. Um just this past week Muhammad ali died and you know I was, it was very very saddening to me so mm-hmm. you know it's like i've always been into sports and and boxing and then the fact that this guy was an iraqi boxing champion and right. it, actually if you google iraqi boxing champion the only thing that will pop up is pretty much our film there's oh, no, wow. there's basically no other information about it that mm-hmm. i that i found mm-hmm. um so the fact that this story was different, like I, I, I think the two ways to, to, well, I see is either making your mark as a filmmaker or photographer and, and, and doing something that's worth pursuing is to be either the best at it, which obviously mm-hmm. everyone tries to do um, and, and do something that's unique or different.
1: Right. Yes. Yeah, stand so, out. Yeah, stand
0: yeah. out. Yeah. Do something that, that really hasn't been done. So I saw this as something completely different Mm-hmm. and but something that i was interested in that i i had an interest in and it also showed a human side to a part of the world that was in the news every day that you really didn't see
1: right or didn't learn right didn't learn a whole lot about right? didn't
0: learn a whole lot about you might have seen like a little snippet but you didn't see something like our film and this was just something completely Different. And it, it's also kind of a love story because his wife was from northern Iraq. He was from southern Iraq. They were mm-hmm. both, um, you know, political refugees in, in a similar circumstance. So um, I just I just thought it was um, after meeting Stefan and talking to him that um, you, you rarely ever see like that love between two people and between a whole family that was so loving. And uh, to come from this part of the world, I thought it was a it was a, a story worth telling. You no, know? oh, that's
1: awesome. That's yeah. awesome. So you know, obviously, something like that. I mean, the, when you hear that, you automatically the first thing that pops on people's heads is like you know, personal projects, right?
2: Mm-hmm. Like things that yeah. you're
1: working on that, in reality, yeah. on paper, may not make financial sense. Yeah. But you know, you're you're so invested okay. in the story and in everything else that you will gladly kind of do it. So it's pretty obvious to gauge what your thoughts are on personal projects as a whole, but you know, tell me what are, what are some other stuff that you're kind of working on in that, in that, uh, in, in personal projects?
0: Yeah. And one thing before I, before I sure. answer your question, I, I think personal projects, um, they start a conversation with people and, mm-hmm. and and I think they make you, I don't know. I I find them to be, it's just an easy way to have a conversation with people and it, yeah. and it could open up a lot of doors. Like I talked about earlier, a lot of unexpected doors and, um, that you wouldn't have thought would have been there.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: If you just had strictly done work for a company or strictly done work. Um, just strictly an assignment basis or right. or a or client basis. Right.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So, um, so, Yeah, so personal projects. I'm working on now, um, my biggest one right now is one on uh, Cuban tobacco farmers. Mm -hmm. So over the past year, I've made, um, I've spent about two months in Cuba. Mm. And the majority of that time has been in a very small area, about a 15 square mile area where the best tobacco is grown. Um, so it's just these two little small towns where you get the world's best tobacco. Right. Oh, wow. And this project is, um, so there's a thing every March, there's a festival called the Habano festival
2: mm-hmm.
0: where they, they award the Habano man of the year. Oh, wow. And this award is a, it's a big trophy and it's a big event for the cigar, um, tobacco world right and Mm. it's sort of like winning the oscars for tobacco growing
1: that's awesome
0: so there's only been five guys in this area that have won that award right Mm. only five farmers out of thousands right and i photographed four of these guys one of them died about five years ago Mm. alejandro robina he died five years ago and he was like a legend throughout the whole country Actually, throughout the world, cigar world. He died uh, five years ago. And then there's only been four others. And actually, in my last trip, I went to go. His name is uh, Lin Poss. I went to go visit him. And I, and I gave him a, a few of the photos. And he was actually at the time, he was very sick. And I, I showed him to the family. And they were very grateful. And we had a great time. And then I was still there, at, staying at a different farm. And I got a call um, that he passed away. And it was only like a week and a half later. Oh wow! So I went to the funeral. It was very sad. It was a big event, obviously. And he was 96 years old. Oh wow! So, um, so now there's only three Habano men left. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm sort of, photo- I'm working on this project, um, photography project about. About these men and the the workers on their farms, and about sort of the whole the whole process, and i um I met certain people down there that got me access to to um, certain parts of the whole cigar making and the tobacco growing that a lot of people don't get to see, mm-hmm. especially mm-hmm. especially foreigners, and especially with the government being the way it is.
1: Right. It's, yeah.
0: It's it was very tricky. But um you yeah, can imagine. But I think I got a lot of things that are are very unique. It's it's a unique story and um I also photographed, I also did like a behind the scenes kind of um documentary reportage of my whole experience. So I haven't mm-hmm. really edited that. So that's kind of what I'm working on now in terms of um, personal projects. Um,
1: oh, that's awesome. It sounds great. Can't wait to check check more out more out about it.
0: Yeah, I, I actually if you go to my website, breakaramello.com you could look under projects. I have a few photos from that project, but I haven't I didn't put everything up there yet.
1: It's right, right. Open. Okay. All right. But um
0: yeah, and then I'm also working, you know, I've been inspired by what you're doing and every, mm-hmm. and other people like yourself. They're doing like podcasting and, and blogging mm-hmm. and all and then and, and, and you know, expanding your your reach and in and what you can do. So I also started another um website called uh the photo MVP. Mm-hmm. And basically, this site, I'd like to do. I'd like to start a podcast. Actually, this nice. Is, so, I'm awesome. Working, I'm. Um, I just haven't gotten around to doing that yet. But I'd like to start a podcast, and then I've also been doing a uh, little short video tutorials. But I've, I, I want to get more into that, doing um, just sharing my knowledge and. Right, everything that I've done over the years, and that's so, awesome,
1: well, dude. Yeah. Let me know if you ever need help with the uh, the podcast stuff. I'm I'm glad to help out.
0: Yeah, this is this is totally new to me. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. You're like
1: yeah, another thing I have to learn. Great, <laughs> yeah.
2: you know,
1: add it to the fucking list. <laughs> exactly, you know? But uh, but all right, listen, Brett. Thank you for taking the time out today. We're getting up to about an hour, so mm-hmm. these last few questions are going to go kind of deep. Um okay. but if you can keep the responses to about a minute, all right? Okay. All right, got cool. It. So, what's the biggest risk you've taken in your artistic career?
2: Uh, the biggest risk. Mhm. Question. Um
0: Well, I'll say I'll answer that quickly, but with sure. two ways. Um one was when I first I say when I first went to Cuba because I didn't exactly go there legally which i probably shouldn't be saying but at this point i don't think it matters with the way the situation is changing between the u.s and mm-hmm. cuba but i went i didn't go there legally and i didn't i honestly i didn't speak much spanish at all and i didn't know anybody mm, wow <laughs> so, and i went for a month so that was no that was, wow
1: yeah that is pretty pretty ballsy <laughs> that was
0: pretty ballsy and then um another thing was i um i don't know it was a risk or a difficult time was that i um I had a really bad concussion during mm. um, right before, about a few weeks before uh, we were set to go out to Chicago to shoot the uh, final stages of the champion, the film. So um, I was, my doctor and like a lot of my family was telling me, you know, you need to stay and recuperate, etc. cetera. And um, I made the decision to go out there and finish the film, and so which which was very extremely difficult at the time. Mm-hmm. Um I, I mean filmmaking is always difficult but it yeah. it, it was a whole other element because I had uh I had headaches all the time and so forth. So, yeah, those are two.
1: Well, okay. All right. So, name your biggest fear creatively.
2: Hmm. Biggest fear creatively. Hmm. Is that I I I won't do
0: the subject or the story um, justice or, mm, or really. Yeah. yeah. I won't, I won't make it as good as I possibly can make it. I won't really get to the heart of it and, and really do it justice.
1: Yeah. I think that's, I think that's definitely one for a lot of us who, you know, who, who end up picking some of the, the heavier stuff, you know, and, mm-hmm. and like you said, you, you want to do it justice. You want to do, you know, um, it's, it service, you know, and uh, and that's definitely some pressure we we put on ourselves for sure. Mm-hmm. So, going even deeper. Name your most meaningful moment in your career thus far.
2: Wow.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you are going really deep. <laughs> <laughs> um most meaningful. Um I don't know, recently I was t- I told you about the the farmer who passed away. Mm -hmm. And even though I didn't get to spend a ton of time with him, I still got to spend a significant amount of time with him and get to know his family. And, um, at the funeral, his, um, his family, they were, they were introducing to me to other family members and saying, Oh, this was, this was Brett. He, he took, he was, he took the photo of Lynn, you know, and he, Mm -hmm. he was the guy who took the photo of Lynn and, and, um, yeah I guess it just just the relationship I have with the people that i I photograph i think is is always nice. It's the most important thing i think
1: yeah for yeah. sure it la- like you said it lasts a lot longer than any photo well you know exactly yeah mm-hmm. so name the biggest regret in your career
0: um, I wish. I wish I had done all this sooner.
2: <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> I, yeah. I, I actually I started at as an at an older age. Um, um biggest regret. I don't know. I don't really know if I have a regret because I feel like everything is a learning experience one mm-hmm. way or another. It's always easy to connect the dots looking looking backward, but mm-hmm. um, I don't know. I don't I don't I don't really I don't think I have any regrets, although I wish I had started
1: sooner. Yeah, no, and that and yeah. that to me that's that's one, you know, and and yeah, yeah. you know for a lot of people that's kind of the way you look at it. You know, they look at all regrets as learning experiences, and in reality, knowing if you if you're the the dot type, right, you're like literally if any one of those things didn't happen, I wouldn't be where I am today. You know, so mm-hmm. it's exactly. kind of like they're almost necessary. You know, does it put you on the right path? Mm-hmm. So for especially for us photographers i mean this is a, probably the deepest one if you couldn't share your work with anyone would you still shoot
0: if i couldn't share my work with anyone would i still shoot mhm yeah absolutely
1: yeah for sure. yeah for sure yeah and i mean and like we said it's it's for some people it's um it's a tough one but you know what Every, no matter what i think the answers are split 50/50 but everyone knows right away and and it's funny, some people have like kind of said, "Well, look, you know, I love the relationship with my you know subjects, I love you know mm-hmm. the the seeing their faces when I when I show them the images and all that. Mm-hmm. If I couldn't do that, it would hurt for sure, it would mm-hmm. suck, you know, mm-hmm. like, like we' spoke to Tamara Lackey, and mm-hmm. she was like, yeah would would it hurt a lot, yeah, of course, but mm-hmm. but I would still shoot, you know like that's that's yeah. like the whole thing it's like would it, would I approach it the same would it?" Would it be me such fulfillment as does now? Maybe not, but I would still do it, you know. And yeah. and you think about how many times you, even in the most simplest way, you shoot stuff with your phone, and maybe no one ever sees it, or you take stuff mm-hmm. with your camera, and and it just sits in your archive, you know, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So, listen, Brett, thank you for taking the time out today. I uh, hope you enjoyed it. Crazy how fast an hour goes, right? <laughs> wow, that went by really fast. And, exactly. Yeah. So, where can people check out your stuff and learn more about what you do?
0: So, just on my my website, uh, brettgaramella.com. But I don't know if you guys can spell that, but it's... Uh... <laughs> that's that's a tough one uh b-r-e-t-t uh g-a-r-a-m-e-l-l-a dot com or um all my social media is basically that name so if you type in brett caramella um you will find me
1: sweet awesome Mm -hmm. awesome yeah well again brett yeah thank you for coming out i hope you had a good time and last but not least who's someone that you would like to hear us talk to on the show? And for a lot of us photographers, I always say, like, it doesn't necessarily wow. have to be a photographer, but it can be an, anyone who's creative, you know, like a, a DP or, or a filmmaker or a production assistant or an, anything like that.
0: Wow, that's that's a tough one. Right now. You, <laughs>
1: you just...
0: That was well, a big <laughs> one yeah, from yeah. Left
1: field, Wow. Yeah, so usually I will say this. Um uh-huh. for for the guys a lot of times when we ask this people get like flustered, you know. There's yeah. so many people, right? But mm-hmm. I always say if you want to name like one or two here and then always 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 yeah. uh you know you you have an email, feel free to just reach out whenever you yeah, think no, of another no, I would like mm-hmm. to answer.
0: I'd like sure. to answer since you asked it. Um just trying to think. Um so many interesting people. Um, I don't know if it would be realistic, but I mean, there's so many photographers, filmmakers, people I find interesting um, that are doing big things and so forth. I, I think you said Gary Vee. I think he would be interesting because of yeah. the whole social media aspect.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: But um, I think... Um, hmm. There's a lot of photographers I like. So someone like Marco Grob. Mm-hmm. or um i also like i liked eric Almus. like him yeah eric's great um there's this other guy named uh jimmy nelson who i really like a lot mm-hmm. um i don't know there's there's just so many no, interesting that's,
1: that's things that's fine yeah that's fine you know it, it, that definitely will be uh uh you know a uh, a great a great start and stuff like that and we always ask if if you happen to have any kind of um you know dialogue or working relationship with these guys it always helps a warm lead always helps if not you know we like taking swings as well um so brett again thank you so much for taking the time out today uh hope you enjoyed and uh, we'll chat soon
0: yeah well i i have now officially feel important because i've been on the <laughs> great <angry laughs> millennial show so thank you very much
1: thank you thank (laughs) you all right man we'll definitely be in touch
0: all right sounds all right take care all right take care